Amen. Good morning, church. How are you doing? Isn't that a powerful story? That is the story of Frank and Inez Bryant. We borrowed that video from uh, Harbor Shores Church up in Indiana, and that was sent to us uh, because one of the families that is right here in our church, they have been impacted by that family right there, by that couple. They were their life group leader at one point in another church, and they just sent that to me. And as I watched that video, just as you, I mean, it's an emotional video, just so powerful, knowing that we are going into the series on the book of Colossians, I saw so much spiritual depth in their lives. The kind of spiritual depth that just makes me want to have that in my own life, and I'm so hungry for that in my own life. And they've had such a ripple effect, such a ripple effect, just impacting families that are there, impacting people when they're in the hospital, impacting everywhere that they go. And I love this. Frank is, Frank is 90 years old, and, and he's still, they're still going strong, aren't they? they? I mean, you may retire from your occupation, but if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, we never retire from his service, amen, right? You never retire. And I love that he said, man, we still got things to do. There's still people that need to meet Jesus. And so that was just so important. And we're in this book of Colossians. So grab your Bibles. Let's go to the book of Colossians. It's a little, uh, little letter that is in the, the back part of your Bible in the New Testament. And it's, uh, we're going to talk today uh, as Paul begins to open this letter. And he's going to really point out some characteristics of a maturing follower of Jesus Christ. A maturing follower of Jesus. Now, one of the things that I want you to understand as we look at this, at this awesome little book that he's written that Frank and Inez are in their 90s and in their 80s, but that is not what makes them a mature follower of Christ. You see, you can be an older person. And by the way, I'm not making any eye contact with anybody at this moment whatsoever because it's my understanding that we have nobody that's over 29 in our church. Amen? Is that correct? Okay. All right. But you could be an older person, but that does not automatically qualify you for being a believer that is growing deep in Jesus Christ. You can go to church all of your life. You can go through the motions of being religious, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you are growing in your faith. That doesn't mean automatically that you are a growing follower of Jesus Christ. And by the way, if you're new around here, one of the things that's just so important to us is that we develop a church that's a healthy church, amen? We are not trying to be the biggest church. That is not our ambition. We're not, I mean, you can have 5,000 people that are showing up every single weekend, and we see this all over the, all over the place, all over the United States, 5,000 showing up, and you could be a quarter inch deep in your faith, and I, I'm going to tell you, that's not what God is going after, that's not what we are going after. Or you could have 100 people who have determined that they are going to pursue Jesus Christ, they're going to grow in their faith, they're going to go after God with everything that they have, and I'm going to tell you straight up that those people are going to have a greater kingdom impact. They're going to be more fulfilled in their life. They're going to be more stable emotionally. They're going to, they're not, I'm not saying their life is going to be easy, but they're going to be able to handle the things that come along in life. They're going to be able to handle that a lot better. And so that's what we want you to understand is that we are going after maturity here. We want you to come to know who Jesus is, and then here's what God told us. He didn't say, EBC, go build a big church. He said, EBC, go make disciples of Jesus. He he, he didn't say, go make church members. He told us to make disciples. He didn't say, go make a bunch of Baptists or a bunch of Methodists or Catholics. He said, make followers of Jesus. 
And we are about lifting up Jesus around here, right? We want you to know who Jesus is because we want you to go deep with Jesus. And so, and so here's the thing I want to ask you, okay, as we really jump into this today and we start looking at Colossians chapter 1, we're going to look at the first 14 verses. I want you just to seriously ask yourself this question, and I don't care if you've been here for the last 19 years since we first started, or maybe this is your very first week. I want you to ask this, am I, am I growing in my relationship with God? Am I, have I grown since last year? Have I grown or, or have I stayed the same? Have I grown in my faith? Or, or would I have some of the characteristics that I'll point out in a moment that Paul points out? We're going to look at that so you can assess yourself. But would I have some of those characteristics that we clearly saw in the, like, in the life of Frank and Inez Bryant? Right, where, where there's, there's just, and, and that's why I use this video, because you're going to see it matches up perfectly with Colossians 1 through 14. Am I growing in the Lord, right? And, and you see, what, what Frank and Inez Bryant had, they had discovered in understanding who Jesus Christ is in their life, that Jesus, what you believe about Jesus not what you believe about religion and all that other stuff. What you believe about Jesus is pivotal to everything else in your life. In fact, Jesus is greater than everything is what they've discovered. He's greater than any problem. He's greater than any challenge. He's greater than any, anything that they could produce. Jesus is greater than everything. So, so begin to assess yourself. Now, Randy introduced this book last week, and we learned that Colossians was a, was a little letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. And it was written to a small church, a small church that, was, that, that had been planted not by the Apostle Paul, and it had been, tra- it had plant, been planted ar- along the trade routes, the Roman trade routes. This made this possible. It was a a small city that was surrounded by a few others, and it was in what we would know as modern-day Turkey. And this was planted by a young man named Epaphras. Now, what's interesting about this, Colossae is in this region of Turkey, which is a sidebar, has also been in the news recently uh, because the Turkish government has imprisoned an American pastor, and at one point his wife was imprisoned with him. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a picture of Andrew and Norm. Noreen Brunson. Noreen has been released, but this American pastor has been imprisoned. He's imprisoned in Turkey in a prison there right now, uh, and he has been there for nearly two years. Our government has been trying to intervene in this and get them to release him, but uh, in the meantime, they moved him out of the prison into house arrest. He has lost an enormous amount of weight by Turkish law. By the way, he's being accused of espionage and accused of being a terrorist. Uh, and, and so here's what I want to encourage you to do. You need to be praying for, you need to be praying for this pastor as he perseveres under this suffering that he's going through. And again, our government is seeking his release, but the negotiations have currently stalled. But what I wanted you to get from this is that this is ironically enough, the same area that this, this church plant was started there in the, in that area of, of Southern, uh, of Southern Turkey in this Colossian area there. And, and, and consequently, what's interestingly enough to me about this is that Paul was also imprisoned for the gospel. Paul was in Rome, but he was imprisoned for the gospel. They eventually moved Paul also to house arrest, like Pastor Brunson is under house arrest as well. By the way, Turkish law says that he can be held for seven years without any official charge. 
So we need to be praying for his release, right? And praying for his witness. But I just want you to kind of understand, I just thought it was ironic that this is where we're talking about the circumstances are similar and that Paul was under house arrest. And Paul had previously met Epaphras. Epaphras was a young man, and Paul shared the gospel of Jesus with Epaphras. It's possible that Epaphras was also in prison at some point with Paul and perhaps released. By the way, as we know, Paul would suffer for the Lord greatly, and eventually he would be beheaded for his faith by the emperor Nero. And so Epaphras took this gospel message about Jesus that Paul had shared with him And Epaphras went back to his hometown. Let's go back to that map. And he planted a church in this area, in this region of Colossae. And there was a couple of other towns where he started this work of God there. Heropolis as well as Laodicea. And so I I thought to myself, how cool would that be to hear the gospel message of Jesus Christ and get to go back to your hometown and plant a church. And then I thought, oh, wow, I got to do that. All right, that's exciting. And we're having fun doing this, right? But this is what he did. So I really relate to Epaphras. And I think how powerful that is to, to get to go back to the people that you know, the people who can begin to see evidence of something that has happened in your life and to be Jesus to them. And so this new work began there. And and now Epaphras got some face time with Paul at some point, and he started sharing these victories with them. He started sharing the good things that were happening in the Colossian church, but he also began to share some concerns because you gotta know this church, and we know this. As our church is growing and we are thriving, we must always understand that when God is doing a work, the enemy will seek to come in and to kill that work and to undermine it. He'll seek to cause division. He'll seek to cause all kinds of things. And we as a church, we need to be aware of those kinds of things. And we need to be on our hands and knees, uh, on our knees in prayer, right? Just seeking the Lord's protection for our young church as well. And so he shared these victories, but he also shared some concerns. There were some things that were beginning to creep into this Colossian church. By the way, I got an email from, from one of our church planners that we partner with who is in Cleburne, and he shared with me in an email, and I thought this was kind of interesting because it was the same kind of email where he said, Bart, uh, there's some amazing victories. This guy's name is Trinity Bounds, and we've had him here before, and he's spoken to our youth, and Trinity planted a church in Cleburne over, a little over a year ago, and he shared with me in the email that he's had some great victories. Check this out, church. They have had in the last eight weeks... They've had in his church 11 people accept Jesus Christ as their savior. Isn't that awesome, right? I think God deserves some applause for that. Your first gift offering has made it possible, along with some other churches, to see a new work start in Cleburne. But Trinity also said, Bart, there's some other things that I need you praying about. There are some challenges that we're facing while this new church is getting going. And that is exactly what Epaphras was talking to Paul about. He said, there's victories. Man, there's some awesome things happening, but there's also some challenges. And I need you to help me, Paul. I need you to guide me in this. So Paul writes a letter to this group of believers. And here's what I really want you to do with this today, okay? I want you to pretend it's as if Paul was writing to you as a believer. That he has some things to say to you. That he wants to speak into your life. So Paul would write to them to encourage them. 
Paul would write to them to correct them in some ways. Paul would write to them to anchor them because they were certainly going to be facing some hardship and difficulty. Uh, Paul was living that out in their presence and, 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 you know, or living that out and they knew about this and Paul wanted to prepare them for that, that just because you're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean that things are always easy. It may, in fact, sometimes it gets more difficult whenever you're following Jesus. And Paul wanted to challenge them. And so I say those things to say to you, pretend as we read this that Paul is writing to you because you don't even need to pretend because it is for you. It has been written for us. And in the context, we will see there's so many things that are applicable for our own lives. So let's look in Colossians chapter 1. Let's look in verse 1 and let's begin to unpack these verses together. It says this, Paul writes to the Colossian church, this letter is from Paul chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. Timothy was also a young church planter and ended up becoming a pastor at the Ephesian church there. But why, you say, why is Paul having to introduce himself this way? Because he had never met these people. They did not know him personally. And so Paul is going to be writing some instruction to them and he's needing to inform them who he is. Now they had heard about him, but they had never met him personally like they knew Epaphras. And so Paul is going to say, listen, I need to introduce myself to you. I need to let you understand that I have some authority to write these things to you. I'm an apostle that has been called by God. An apostle simply means I am a messenger. I'm a messenger that is bringing this to you. And, and, and Paul says this as we go on. We are writing to God's holy people. Who is he writing to? The Colossian church. And what is he calling them? A holy group of people. I love that Danny pointed out earlier, and we'll get more into this next week. I love that Danny pointed out earlier that God declares you when you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you may not feel like you are holy, you may not feel like you are without fault, you may not feel like you are blameless, but God has declared that over you. Aren't you glad about that? Amen? That's by His grace, by the way, as we will begin to unpack. All right, so he says this, we're writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, and he's going to say this about them, who are faithful brothers. That's a good thing to circle in your Bible, that word faithful, because we're really going to look at this. Who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace, and may he give you peace. Now, Paul is going to begin to say, listen, we're praying for you constantly, but I want you to know, and then he's going to actually talk about how he's praying for them. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and we have heard of your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you heard the truth of the good news. In other words, this hope of heaven. You have a, a, a perspective about you in the way that you live is what he's saying, and we'll look at that. This same good news, verse 6, this same good news that came to you, it's going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. And again, church, that's what we're going after here at EVC. We're not just wanting to build a big building and a, build, a big crowd. We're going after change lives. 
That's what the gospel is about. It's about changing people's lives. And, and, he, and he says this, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day that you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You see, when you start getting grace, it changes everything. Amen? You learned about the good news from Epaphras. Our beloved co-worker, he is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul is saying, this is what we're praying for you, new church. We're praying for you to begin to understand your faith. We're praying for you to go deeper in your faith. That's going to be so important that you, that you go deeper as you go through the things you'll go through. And then he goes on and he says this, so we've not stopped praying for you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge. Verse 10, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will, what's the next word? Say it with me. You will, everybody, grow. You will grow. You won't stay the same. You will grow as you learn to know God better and better. What we say around here is, we're not trying to, God didn't say go make people religious. He said go, go help them come into a relationship with me and make disciples. That's what we are about. And how do you do that? It's by knowing God. Do you know God? Do you know him or do you know about him? Do you know him in a relationship? Verse 11, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and the patience that you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Have you been rescued from that kingdom of darkness? Think about that. And he has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. God's word is powerful, amen? Now, in this Colossian church, there were some dangers that were emerging in this church. And it, what's so interesting is it's the same kind of stuff that creeps up today. It, it happens all the time in churches today, especially churches that are, are, are growing, churches that are, are thriving, where people's lives are being changed. The enemy will seek to bring in, in, in a sneaky kind of way, some things that will undermine what is going on. So what was happening in the Colossian church would be this mentality that is very similar today. It's kind of a consumeristic kind of faith. We call it a cruise liner faith, right? That cruise liner ship where you're there for entertainment. You're there to pick a little bit of what you want. There's great food everywhere. There's, there's their entertainment that you need. There's a small group of people that are working really hard to keep you happy. That's a cruise liner kind of mentality. And you know that that's not who we are at EBC. All right, we're more like that aircraft carrier. But this was going on and it was beginning to creep in this consumeristic kind of faith. Uh, whatever works for me, I'll take a little bit of that. 
I don't want any of it. I don't want any of that. That doesn't really suit me. I'll take some of this though, because I like this and this works for me. Uh, that didn't really work for me. And that's kind of that consumerism. Uh, and, and this was beginning to happen in the Colossian, Colossian church, this consumeristic faith. And while I was in Quebec last week, now I understand last week in this service, I said that I was in Quebec, France. All right? I want those of you who corrected me to know that I realized I was in Canada the week before, okay? All right? I, do, I, I, I wasn't that confused. I think I may have been a little bit tired, but I want, I want to just let you know that thank you for letting me know that so I didn't say it in the next service as well. All right? But, uh, but, but while I was there, I mean, it was an incredible productive trip because we were, we were doing this kingdom work where we were, we were working with some church planners that are there. We were working with uh, the Cheshire's son, Ryan, who is up there right now as an intern that, that EBC, that we have sent him up there to work with a church plant that we're working with. He's there through the summer. We were doing some of the work that we were restoring some of the, the, the uh, cabins that our college team had gone uh, back in March to do some demolition. And in those cabins, uh, that is where uh, many children are staying and, and teenagers are coming. And they are going, coming to this encampment that is there that's called Parole de Vie. And they are hearing the gospel message of Jesus Christ. I told you last week, and you've heard me say it many, many times, that less than 1% of the Quebecois are in, they know Jesus. Less than 1% are Christian. They are the only unreached people group in all of the Americas. And so, by the way, we sponsored, EVC sponsored 10 less fortunate kids, that's them right there, who got to go to that camp and they got to hear about Jesus. So way to go, EVC. Again, that came from your first gift offering. Amen? That's awesome. So they heard about Jesus. Now, while we were there in Quebec, all right, we did some serious eating. I want you to know, how many of y'all like to eat? Anybody like to eat? All right, that's what I thought. You're in the right place. I'm telling you that right now. By the way, I understand that we have now biscuits and sausage that we're offering in the cafe. You know, biscuits are my personal weakness. And that my nickname when I was a kid was Biscuit. So I don't want to hear it from anybody. Randy came in and said, hey, we're serving Barton sausage now. I said, stop it, okay? But while we were in Quebec, I just, I just got to mess with you a little bit. This, this is some of the food that we, that we ate, okay? This, this was my breakfast. We got that, guys? All right, that, I had Eggs Benedict one morning. Kevin Cheshire, this was his right here. Kevin had, he had a big crepe there, fruit crepe, all right? Now, one of the things we also did was we ate some ice cream. There was some maple ice cream. Now, I'm just going to say something. I realize that some of you people may drag me out of here outside the camp and stone me after I say this. It was better than Bluebell. All right, I'm just letting you know, all right? I know, I knew you'd feel that way, but you got to try it, okay? It was uh, this maple ice cream was some of the, the best stuff that I've, I've ever had. You said, and by the way, while we were there, um, and it was 110 here, I shot a, a screenshot of my phone where it was 65 degrees with light rain. I shot that to Hope, and she was not very happy about that, okay, at that point. How many of you want to go to Quebec with me next year in the summer? That's what I thought, okay? We're living large. We're really suffering, as you can see, whenever we're going there, and we're working with these folks. But while we were there, one of the places that, that, that we went was a place that's called Buffet de Continents, all right? That was my best attempt at French that I could possibly do. And the point of the place is that you go there and there's food from every part of the world, right, Kevin? I mean, it's, it's all over the place, this massive buffet. They have food from Africa and Europe and, 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 and um, the American food and, and Antarctica. I think they had grilled penguins. I don't know, something like that, 
they didn't have that. But anyhow, they had, they had, I mean, it was Asian food. It was awesome. And what do you do at a buffet like that? Man, I'm showing you food. I'm talking about food. You people are going to go destroy some restaurants right after this, aren't you? Okay, so what do you do when you're going through the buffet? You're like, oh, I want a little bit of this. Oh, I don't want any, I don't like that. I want some of this. I need a little bit of that. I went, you know, and you, and you go back several times and you get what you want. Well, that's kind of what was going on in, 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 in this Colossian church. It was starting to happen because there was a group of people that were coming in and they were introducing something in this church that was called syncretism. Syncretism was a danger that was emerging in this church. And syncretism, what that is, is it's, it's, it's taking Jesus and it's saying Jesus is okay, but, but you need a little bit of something else as well. Jesus isn't quite enough. And we see this kind of going on where people are like, well, I'm sincere about, I, I like this about Jesus, but I don't know about some of these other things. I don't know that I agree with that. So I'm going to take a little bit of what I like about Jesus. I'm going to take a little bit about what I like about this philosophy, a little bit of this religion. I'm going to take some of this ideology here and I am going to blend it all together and again, there was a group of people that were beginning to introduce this to these folks, and they were saying to them, listen, you have Jesus, and that's okay, but we got a secret that you need to know about. We like secrets, don't we? I mean, we like to know if someone's got a secret, we want to know the secret. We want the secret to success. We want the secret to a successful marriage. We want the secret to how to make a million dollars, right? We like secrets. And what they were saying is, we've got a secret, We'll let you in on it. And once you kind of get let in on this, you'll know this secret. And, and, and it was their kind of their secret sauce to their faith, right? We like secrets, even in our burgers. And so there was this secret that they, and this, they, these guys were, were called Gnostics. And they would be, this Gnosticism, it's called Gnostic, it means knowledge. Secret knowledge would begin to emerge there. And Paul was going to say, listen to me, church. The secret to life has already and completely been revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. You don't need any other secrets. Jesus is more than enough. Now, there was also a group that was beginning to really threaten this church and a danger that was emerging, also very common in churches today and in our world today. There was something that would say, Jesus is good, but he's not really quite enough to save you and to keep you saved. And so, therefore, you need to add a little something to Jesus. And what we call this, this is called legalism. So you have syncretism that's emerging. You have legalism that is beginning to come in. And Epaphras is saying, man, I'm concerned, Paul. You were preaching this grace of Jesus. And now people are beginning to, to they're, they're, they're dangerously beginning to buy into some of these thoughts. Uh, they're thinking that if they, if they eat a certain way, if they keep up a certain set of traditions, or they live out these Jewish laws, or, or keep this festival over here, that in, in, in other words, it's kind of like this, Jesus plus something else equals salvation. Well, we see that happening all the time in churches today. Can I just tell you this? And I, I mean, I, this is just, I expect this because again, our church is growing. Do you realize that regularly your pastors are having to combat those heresies that seek to emerge within the church on a regular basis? Because people will bring in legalism and begin to try to in, in, enforce their legalism. And, and, and sometimes people will bring in that syncretistic way of thinking. And we have to cor correct that lovingly and say, no, listen, Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no man comes to the Father except through him. 
And so we have to regulate, and you need to be prepared to kind of know that those are, are ways that are, are, are just philosophies that are common in coming into our lives personally as well as into the church. And Paul is going to make it very clear. He's going to say, no, listen to me. And now if you want to kind of know what Colossians is about, let me give you this real quick. Paul is going to say, listen to me, Jesus is supreme. In fact, that's in our memory verse in in verse 15. Jesus is supreme over everything. He is the creator. He created all things. All things were created by him. All things were created for him. He even holds all things together. By the way, we'll talk more about that next week. So Jesus is supreme. But then he's also going to say this. Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is sufficient. He's more than enough for you. He's more than enough to handle your your salvation. Jesus is more than enough to handle the problems that you're dealing with. He is supreme. He is sufficient. That is going to be a recurring theme you will see in this book of Colossians. And Paul is going to make it very clear that it is by faith in Jesus Christ alone that brings about our salvation. Do you know that? It's by faith in Jesus or that which rescues us from darkness into the light of Jesus. We recognize that we are sinners. We realize that we cannot pay enough for our sin, that Jesus paid for our sin when he went to the cross. He took all of our sins upon him. He redeemed us. And what that means is he bought our salvation by his own life. He paid for it in full. Jesus is a capable savior. And he even writes this. He writes this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. In fact, I'd like to invite you to read it out loud with me. We say it with me real quick. Let's say it out loud. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a, a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so no one can boast about it. And if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you are a son of the king. You are a daughter of the king. Your your salvation is secured. You have been sealed by Jesus Christ. His grace is not only enough to save you initially, his grace is enough to preserve your salvation. Amen, right? And so that is what I want you to understand. Nothing can take that away from you. That is the gospel. Isn't that good news, church? Amen? Come on, help me out. That's good news, right? That you've been saved. Yeah, you clap about that. So that has been established. Now, here's what I want to say to you, because I know that we have a lot of folks who come to EVC, and you're still exploring this. Or maybe you grew up in church, and you were maybe kind of religious, but you've never come into a personal relationship with Christ. I want you to understand something. That was, that was my story. That was my parents' story. We knew how to be religious, but then there was a point in our life where we realized we knew about God, but we did not know him. And so at, a, at 14 years old, I asked Jesus Christ in faith to be my savior. I was tired of playing church. I wanted Jesus as my savior. And I want to tell you that he began to change my life. I, didn't, I couldn't change it on my own. And so here's what I want to say to you. If you've been a church person all of your life, but you don't know Christ and you don't understand what it means to place your faith in Christ, I am in, I, 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 we started this church. I'm imploring you to take a moment to say and to recognize that you need Jesus as your Savior. 
and to simply invite him into your life. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to perform for me or for anybody else. Jesus said, I've already done it all for you. You place your faith in me. It is a gift. You receive that gift. You know, here's the incredible thing. You don't have to wait till I'm done because I'm not, all right? You don't have to wait to walk down this aisle. You don't have to wait till I ask you to raise your hand. You don't have to wait for any of that. Right where you're seated, in faith, you can say, Jesus Christ, I believe you're the Messiah. I invite you to be my Savior right now. Forgive me of my sins and save me. And do you know what he says? The moment you do, you are born again. Amen, church, right? Have you experienced that? You're born again. Now, if that's already you, and you can do it right now. You don't even have to bow your head and close your eyes. Right there, in faith. Some of you may be doing that right now. Some of you are being born again into the kingdom of God. And I want you to know, we celebrate with you. We celebrate with you. Now, here's the thing. As you begin, when you become born again, when you place your faith in Christ, where Paul is going to go next is that as a newborn in Christ, a healthy newborn should begin to do what? Grow. If, 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 it's, if you stay the same, that means that you're unhealthy. You should begin to grow. You should begin to mature. You should begin to look differently. You should begin to talk differently. Now, we don't need to mandate that because the Holy Spirit is the one that does that in your life. He's the one that begins, for a believer, of one that has come into a relationship with God, he begins to change you. He begins to make your desires different. It doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle because you will, and we still struggle because we're still in this flesh that is corrupt. But you will begin to grow. You should begin to grow and mature and bear fruit. In fact, skip down to verse 28 in Colossians 1. He says, so we tell others about Christ warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God has given us, we want to present them to God. What's the next word? Say it with me. Perfect. Now you think, well, I don't know that I can pull that one off. Well, one, he's already declared that over you. But here's the thing. What that really means is mature. Mature. That's not because you're 90 years old. That's not what makes you mature in Christ. Again, you could be a 90-year-old who is a Christian that is very unhealthy and has never grown. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying that you didn't grow the way that God intended you to. Frank, Frank, Inez, and, 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 or Frank and Inez Bryant, they, they're just giants in the faith because they've grown in the Lord. Right? So Paul is, is going to say, I want you to grow. I, 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 there's da- this danger. If you don't grow, you're going to be deceived by some, some of these problems that are emerging. You need a genuine and growing kind of faith. And so for us, you need to start by saying, have I placed my faith in Jesus Christ? That's where you start. Have I asked Christ to be, to, have I believed on him in faith as my savior? Not are you a church member? Have I placed my faith in Jesus Christ? And secondly, if I have, the second thing is, am I growing? Am I growing? And that goes beyond, I'm going to say this, it goes beyond. I'm glad you're in church worshiping with us. That's a component of it. But that is a small component of your faith in Christ. It's just one part of it. 
Are you growing? Is your, is your faith a faith that is more than a Sunday kind of faith? Are you living this out where, where you go to school? Are you living this out where you go to work? Are, are, are people beginning to notice there's something that's different about you? Did you see where Paul said, I have heard about your faith. I've heard about your love. I've heard about your hope. I want to ask you, could people say that about? We've heard about, we've heard about the kind of faith you have. Who you've heard about the way you love other people. We've heard about the hope that you have in your life. Do you see, that's, that's a, a mark of a person that's growing. Let's begin to just look at that just for a few moments. A mark of a maturing believer begins to look like this. Number one, you have an internal, personal faith in Christ. Now, I've, I've really hammered this over the last few minutes, is that this isn't your grandma's faith. This isn't your faith because you grew up in church. This isn't because you grew up in America, right, or whatever. This is your internalized personal faith where Paul says, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Have you, you may have been born into a Christian family, but you need to understand that does not automatically make you a Christian, it's an internalized personal decision that you have made. You may have gotten wet when you were a, a baby and someone poured some water on you at a baptism. Or maybe you were, uh, maybe you're even an adult and you got wet, right, at a baptism or whatever. But, but if, you've, if you have, that doesn't make you a Christian. It's have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? And it's an internal decision. It can't be your spouse's decision. Teenagers, it can't be your mom and dad's decision. It's got to be your personal decision. And that's where it starts, this faith in Christ. The thing you have to grapple with is, and the thing that is pivotal in your life is, what do I believe about Jesus? Not what Pastor Bart says. What do I believe about Jesus? Is there an unshakable faith in the person of Jesus Christ? A personal faith in Christ is what makes us Christian, right? And this is so important because it's not just a sincere faith in anything that saves us. Because there are a lot of very well-meaning, well-intentioned people that have a sincere faith in something. But here is what we have to understand. The only faith that can save is a faith that is placed in an object that is capable of saving. Did you catch that? It's not just a sincerity in any old faith. That's syncretism. It's, an, it's, it's the object of your faith. That is, cap is your, the object of your faith capable of saving. All right, whenever I was a kid, I watched Mary Poppins whenever I was a kid. And, and I'm just going to straight up tell you, I was a little bit of a dumb kid, okay? All right, so I watched Mary Poppins. And I had this idea because you remember the scene where they're flying around with the umbrellas, okay? And I told my wife about this. All right, this is what I did. I decided to have some faith in this umbrella that I was going to be able to fly. And my wife, Hope, who is a school teacher, said, you were a bit of a dumb kid, weren't you? Okay? <laughs> and I agreed. I climbed up on the roof. I opened the umbrella. And I had faith, sincere faith in that umbrella that I was going to be able to fly. How do you think that worked out for me? Okay? <laughs> I did not break my, break my ankles, but it was incredibly painful. When I jumped off, I am telling you there was a sincere faith in the umbrella. But the umbrella was not capable of saving me. 
Your faith must be placed in one that is capable of saving, and Jesus is capable of saving you. Amen, right? It's the object of your faith that matters. Now, the other part of this is that the Colossians not only had an internalized faith in Christ that began the relationship with Christ, they also were known for their faith. So what is faith? Faith is a dependence upon. Faith is a belief in someone even when you can't see how it all works out and you don't know how everything's going to turn out. Even when, you, even when you can't see that. Faith is like this muscle. This muscle and, and, and it's this, a muscle grows stronger when there is resistance. And, and that's the thing, that your faith grows strong. The reason that these people's faith was growing stronger and they were being heard about is because they, it was hard to be a Christian in that day and age. They were being persecuted greatly. And, 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 and he said, I've heard of your faith. Your faith is enormous, enormous. Hebrews 11 says this about faith. It says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. Do you see that? Their faith was being known by others. That's not what they were doing it for, but it's you recognize real faith in people when you see it. It goes on in verse 7, and he's going to give several examples, but he just uses, I'll just point out one. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. You say, why was it by faith? Well, he obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. It had never rained. And now he's building this boat telling people it's going to rain, and they're like, you're crazy, man. We don't even know what that is. What he's saying is there was a faith, a faith in God. God had told him, he obeyed God, and God blessed him because of his faith. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. And here's the thing. Some of you are going through a very difficult thing right now in your life. I don't know what that is. For some of you, I do know what that is. But I might not know, and you may be wondering, and life is not easy, you may be wondering how things could possibly work out for you. The question is this, whether you're a new believer or you've been a believer for some time, here is the question, ultimately, will you still trust in Jesus, no matter what the outcome here is right now? Paul's saying, I've heard of the kind of faith that you have. It's an enormous kind of faith. Will you still trust? And some people press in closer to the Lord when something bad happens. Have you noticed that? Some people, they, 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 they press in closer to God. And they, it's not because everything has been unveiled to them that they see how everything's going to work out. But in their faith, they press closer to God. Some people, though, they turn and they walk away from God. Which one are you? Are you one that presses into God? Because here's the deal. That takes faith. It takes faith. They had enormous faith. What are we talking about? Marks of a maturing believer. So as you're maturing in the Lord, when bad things happen in this broken world and they happen in your life, do you begin to press into God or do you begin to move further away from God? If you're moving further away from God, I'm I'm not saying that you're not a Christian. I'm just saying that, that you need to begin to grow in this and grow in your faith, I need to be, be able to grow with you. Here's another part of a maturing believer. They have an, an external love. So they have an internal faith. They have an external love. They were known for their faith, and they were also known for their love. 
There's something that's going on in the way that they love other people. We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. We have heard of your love for all of God's people. And that's one of the things that stood out to me so much in the video of Frank and Inez Bryant was the, the way that they loved each other while they were in that hospital, while he had lost a leg, she had broken leg. They were in a bad place, weren't they? Bad place. And the, and, the, and the hospital staff was beginning to come to faith in Christ because of their faith and because of their love. Here's what I want to say to you. It matters the way that you love your wife. It matters the way that you love your husband. It matters the way that we love each other in this church. It is by our love that the world will know that we are his disciples. So what does your love look like for people? What, is, what kind of love is that? Paul talks about that being the greatest thing you can have is love. The greatest gift is love. He says what it looks like in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, he says if I had the gift of prophecy, and that's a great gift, right? And if I understood all, the, all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that moved mountains but didn't love others, Paul says, I would be nothing. He says, love is greater. Love is great. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, you're going through the marks of being kind of a religious, outwardly religious kind of person. I could boast about that, but look at what he says. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing, he says. And then he's going to say this, love is patient. You want to know if you have love, begin to take yourself through this checklist. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Jealous. It's not boastful. It's, it's not proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It's not irritable. I get stuck on that one. You ever get stuck on that one? Okay. <laughs> Whew, that's a tough one right there. Can we just agree on that one right there? How do you not? Okay, that's got to be Jesus in us. Here's a good one. It keeps no record of being wronged. Here's what that means, is that you understand what it means to begin to forgive. Are you forgiving? Are you known for that? You're known for it. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Does that kind of love describe you? We're talking about growing up in Jesus. Are you known for your faith? Are you known for your love? These Colossian believers were. And here's the other thing they had. They had an eternal, they had an internal faith, they had an external love, and they had an eternal hope. And they had proper perspective. He said, we've heard about your faith. We've heard about your love, which come from confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of good news. You see, here's what, here's what he's getting at. As you're going through hardship, and we all will, some of you are right in the middle of it right now, a person who is anchored in the Lord and beginning to mature in the Lord, it doesn't mean those problems go away, but it means that you have a different perspective about your problems. It doesn't mean that you don't cry. It doesn't mean that you're not sad. It doesn't mean that you're not, it just means that you understand, and some of us really need to hear this today. 
Some of you are going through maybe something in your health or something with finances or something with a marriage or whatever. What we need to hear is what we're battling with right now is temporary. Some of you really needed to hear that, right? And the eternal part of this is that we have a place that has been reserved for us in heaven, but this is not heaven. This is not heaven. We'll get there one day. In the meantime, you keep your eye on the prize. You keep living. You have have a perspective. Number four, here's a mature believer. They're giving their faith away. They're giving their faith away to somebody else. He said in verse six, the same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras. Here's the point. Paul poured it into Epaphras. Epaphras poured it into them. They were pouring it into someone else. A maturing believer is giving his or her faith away to somebody. Are you doing that? I want to tell you this. As our church is growing, you know what? We need more life groups. What that means is we need more life group leaders. You say, I I don't know how to do that. We will do everything we can to help you learn how to work a DVD player. Okay, because that's... (laughs) because that's kind of where we're at now, or, or to use some method, because we have, we have right now media that has great teachers, and we will help you do that. We need, uh, b- by the way, this shows me that our church is growing in the Lord, because when we had an, 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 a, about four billion kids show up for VBS, and it was somewhere in that range, we had, we had uh, over 100, uh, Dustin, like 130 who, who of you who signed up. That's more than double what happened last year. So I praise God for that. That means we're growing. We're not begging for help. We just, we told you about it. You stepped up to the plate, and I am so grateful as your pastor. That's, that's how it should be. We should just tell you, here's what's going on. Can we help us? And you did. Those of you that felt led, and I thank God for that. Jamie's area is going to be growing in the student ministry. He's going to need more leaders. Church, if we're going to go deeper, that means that, that we're going to have to be more than just sitting on these, these, I don't want to say pews, these nice padded chairs. Sorry for those of you on the white ones, all right? But what it means is we don't want you just to come and sit. That is not a mark of a maturing believer. God is calling you. He's calling you to get in the game and make a difference in somebody's life. But we need help in the parking lot. We need help serving biscuits, okay? We need help. And we don't want to beg you. I just want to tell you about it so you can go, I believe in that vision. I want to get in on it. I want someone's life to, get, to be changed. You see, that's part of giving your faith away. Some of you may be like Epaphras, and maybe you're not going to go plant a church, although some of you might, and we would love to help you. But some of you, it's just going back to your place of employment, being the real deal, and beginning to give your faith away there. Or going to school whenever school starts up in a couple of weeks. Don't throw anything at me, kids, all right? All right. Or teachers. Um, but it's going there and it's giving your faith away. It's, it's being the real thing, right? The real deal. I gotta tell you real quick about this and then I gotta, I gotta pray because there is another service, okay? <laughs> but one night in Quebec, I met this man. His name is Afzal and he is a PhD student and, and he is from Pakistan. And I'm gonna tell you right now, we were talking, my dad was there talking with me and Afzal, and we were hearing his story. He is a Christian. He is a biotech engineer, PhD student who is on the cusp of discovering some 
kind of crazy scientific discovery. I walked away from that conversation going, man, I am dumb. All right, talking with that, right? And some of, and some of you, I thought you would say amen right there, okay? But, but here's the thing. This guy has, has an opportunity to go make probably all the money in the world that he would want to make. I don't have time to tell you about what's going on there, but it's, it's incredible what he's about to, to put into place there. But he is a believer, and do you know what he wants to do? He wants to go back to Pakistan. And he wants to share Jesus in one of the hardest places in the world to share Jesus. He said, I want to go back to Pakistan. We may have him here at some point because he wants some theological training before he goes back. But, but you see what I'm saying? That's a mark of a healthy believer that wants to give it away to somebody else. Number five, their persevering faith produces positive fruit. Persevering, a mature believer, next point, has a persevering faith that's producing positive fruit. I don't have time to get into this, but let's just say that fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and that's what's evident in your life when you are a maturing believer. Fruit is not for the tree. Fruit is for someone else, right? Fruit is noticed by others. Are you following me? Fruit. You're persevering. He talks about you have joy. He talks about you're enduring. Why is he talking about patience and endurance? Because it wasn't easy. And he's saying there's something that's in you that is maturing in the Lord. And here's the last thing. He says a maturing believer is growing in the understanding of God's grace. Grace is pivotal for your freedom. When you begin to understand what he has done for you, I want to read this and then we'll close. You will grow as you learn to know God better and better. You will grow. Are you getting to know God better and better? You will begin to grow. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So here's what I want to say. If you've been delivered from that, a person who's growing in the Lord doesn't dwell upon his or her past. That person, though, knows, though, and regularly is reminded of what God has delivered you out of. And when you know that, it produces a joy in you. Would that describe you as growing in the Lord? Now, I want to pray for us. I want our team, our band, just to stay put. We're going to go ahead and pray. Randy, you can go ahead and make your way up here too. But we are, we're going to pray. And right now, what I just want, I just want you to, first of all, determine, have you trusted Christ in, as your Savior? If not, what are you waiting for? Jesus is greater than everything. There's no sin in your life that is too great for Jesus' grace. Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Have you been playing church for a long time and you know how to play the game of church, but that's not what we're talking about. Have you come into a place where you have placed your eternity, your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior? Right now where you're at. You see, we don't, we don't have to have music playing behind me. We don't have, you, you don't need any of that. You just need to clearly and simply bow the knee of your heart to Jesus at this moment and in humility say, Lord, I believe in you.
and I receive your gift of eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Forgive me of my sin. Are you growing in the Lord if you are a believer? Would you make a commitment today? Maybe just a day of recommitment. Today you'd say, I need to begin to grow more, Pastor. I want to grow. I want to join uh, this, this, this movement of growth at EBC. And that starts with you. It starts with your heart. Go, go out of here and take these things I've given you and begin to assess your life. We're, none of us are perfect in these things. We all could work on one of these areas. Which area do you need to maybe work on? Is it your faith? Is it your love? Sometimes I'm doing better in others than, than I am in some of these other ones. Is it giving your faith away? What is it that God would speak to you about today? Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and that you are greater than everything. In Jesus' name, I do pray. Amen. Pastor Andy. You know this.